Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Emacs, a shared, uh, no, Emacs podcast and coffee at a shared universe. <laughs> Apologize for the delay. We had some technical difficulties. Believe it or not, I was told you couldn't hear me through my mic. <laughs> so, um, you know, that we all know, as Jeremy pointed out, uh, that we all know is I'm not a quiet person <laughs> and you can't hear me. We know there's a problem. So it took us a little bit of time to get that figured out, but welcome. I'm here in the podcast studio, a shared universe with Chris on the boards and my co-host Stacy Cavanaugh from Provident Bank. And we have joining us on StreamYard, not Zoom, right? Something a little different. Jeremy Grunin, he had to take a trip to Florida. So uh, he decided, you know, have computer will travel and could join <laughs> us from, from sunny Florida where it's a bit warmer than our chilly morning this morning that we had. So, yeah. The, you know, the pandemic has opened us up to so many ways that we can see, you know, people like Jeremy or others and be able to communicate. I, I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, but, you know, we're happy to see you today. Endless, <laughs> endless hours of conversation on that subject. <laughs> um, so, you know, we're here because we're talking about Spinnaker. We've had all of our Spinnaker guests, I guess. I think Jeremy's our last Spinnaker guest to join us on the podcast. Um, but before we get into that, I did want to let people know um, that we are having an after hours this Friday. This, no. Well, Jennifer, did you want to wake up and try this all again today? Because you can't think of anything. <laughs> um, we are having a business after hours on Tuesday at Long Branch Distillery. So everybody's invited to join us there. And then we are going to concentrate in June and July on some big events. So we are canceling our other events. Um, but in, on June 9th, we have Spinnaker. On June 17th, I think is the date, there's gonna be another ENG after hours, which is awesome. That's Emacs Next Generation. Um, they're really nice. They're younger, but they let the older people come too. So we really <laughs> like that. They let us feel young for a little while and drink with them. Um, so we, we kind of really like them. We keep them around. And then we have have on July 27th, we have what used to be our beach bash, but because this year we're having it on the river and not on the beach, we're calling it Christmas in July. So it'll be at the Elks Club in their backyard, on the river, bonfire, band, food, drink, party, outside, open air. Um, with a Christmas theme, because why not, you know? So that, that's what's coming up this summer. We're going to, uh, you know, cut back a little bit on events, let people start to enjoy life, um, you know, take vacations that they haven't taken in over a year. And we're, we're going to concentrate. So in September, we come back really strong, much better plan. And um, but of course, we're always here to help our businesses with whatever they need, networking, referrals, um, information, legislative information. Uh, what else do we do? What do we do, Stacey? You connect people with other people. I do connect people with other people. You're right. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. So um, let's say, Stace, let's tell everybody why you're here today. What do you do? Oh, well, I um, do work for Provident Bank. That's not that interesting, although wonderful. I was going to say, because we all know, everybody who listens to this podcast knows Provident Bank is extremely special in the we, chamber. We are very special. <laughs> because of, you know, that other person that's I, been involved. For we're not We're not giving him any naming today. We're not crediting him today. No. He'll be so disappointed. Raymond Ekdorf. Oh, yeah. Him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm also a member of the Spinnaker Committee yes. and uh, have been for the past three years. I'm very, very proud of the not just connecting people at this event, but that the people we get to recognize. And I think if 
just everyone knew the time and uh, we put into discussing our candidates and our awardees and it's just amazing so really really wonderful people and it's always the right people getting the award for the right reason i agree i agree um so with that let's spend a lot of time with jeremy today since he's down in florida we might as well make it worth his time since he's sitting in a sunny window instead of the sunny backyard patio <laughs> <know>. so, right <laughs> so jeremy welcome we thank are thank you i'm trying to figure out this office this is my dad's zoom location and he uh, seems to have put it on the corner of a desk with a window with glare, so I'm trying to uh, to navigate this. But yeah, we're, we're fighting through. He needs to have some Zoom instruction. You can watch those videos. He needs a halo light coming at him, and the whole, you know, the whole I thing. need a halo light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Jeremy. From everything I've heard about you, you have your own halo. Like, you know, you're you're one of those special angels that has your own halo because you do so much good stuff. That's well, that's very kind of you, but clearly I am no angel, as Stacy can tell you offline. <laughs> I was the one saying you were an angel. She did. She told us. She's the one that told. Well, it's really so. Here's the thing. I have heard about Jeremy Grennan and the Grennan Foundation <laughs> for years through people who know you, but I had never met you. Everybody's like, "Don't you know him?" I'm like, "No, I don't know him." And then um, Stacy comes, and we're sitting, and we're discussing who can, who we want to nominate, and who, you know, ideas and why. And Stacy brings your name up and starts talking about you. And I want to say it couldn't have been, I don't know, like a month later that you and I end up on the same call with Vingo Paul. So I to be in the same level with Jeremy Grennan to me was like really impressive. Right? Oh, Chris is shaking his head in here too. So you're like well known. He's like shaking his head. So yeah. If you so. guys could talk to my ex wife about that. <laughs> I personally have. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So you were asked by Senator Gopal to. So it was really great, uh, uh, and I, I think it's a great place to start. Senator Gopal, first of all, in full transparency, Senator Gopal is a Democrat, yes. a Republican, um, and I think this is the way government is supposed to work, and that's why I love Senator Gopal so much. Um, he uh, asked me to run doing a kind of mom county uh, committee uh, to kind of take from the from the grassroots up the issues that folks were dealing with uh, relative to COVID and how he can help uh, in, you know, at the state level. Uh, and he asked me to run the nonprofit faith-based group, uh, which scared me very much, uh, because as soon as he said faith-based, I'm like, oh, this is not my job. <laughs> um, uh, but that was, uh, it was, uh, honestly, it was a great experience with a lot of great folks uh, who uh, we were, and we were able to get things done. Uh, the best example I can bring is that um, Pastor Porter from Open Church in Redneck, uh, on one of the calls brought up the fact that, you know, testing at the time was a real access issue. Uh, folks couldn't get, couldn't get to the spots where tests were, uh, were being administered. And his thought was, and rightfully so, that why are we not putting through the faith-based community, working through our churches, working through our synagogues, and making those the, the points of, of, you know, testing? Uh, I thought it was a, we had an incredibly valid point. We brought it up to the center. Uh, and then actually I called, um, uh, we, we ended up calling uh, County Commissioner Arnone, uh, uh, Commissioner Director, I should say, uh, who, again, Republican, uh, who would <laughs> go call to, uh, to uh, offer a program where we put up some money, the county put up some CARES money, we were able to open up seven sites, 
uh, across the county in spots where there were access issues to get testing done. Um, and did hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tests. Uh, and so I think that's the way government's supposed to work. That's the way uh, people are supposed to be listening at the level, at the county level. And uh, it was really, really warmed my heart to see us be able to get things like that done. Yeah, that, that was a great um, honor to be asked by Senator Gopal to sit on that committee. I was assigned to the um, Jersey Shore Recovery um, Subcommittee um, under Mary Lou Halverson, who was the chair of the Hospitality and um, Restaurant and Hospitality Association for the state. So that was really amazing. Hands, you know, on the hardest, working really closely with the people in the hardest hit industries. Um, and then I also felt that with my businesses that I represent through the chamber, that it would be very beneficial for me to sit with Jacqueline Mejas Fuertes, who was running the small business. So I sat on two councils. Um, and again, the small business council noticed that one of the things that was going on was that the um, communication and the messaging was really, really all over the place. And store owners were still having trouble getting people to wear masks. Nobody was following rules. So this, our small business came up with an ad hoc committee and we created Keep Mama Safe. Um, and which we approached Senator Arnone with, uh, no, Senator Gopal, he said, we can't get it done at the sen at the state level, but why don't you call, you know, C County Commissioner Director Tom, Tom Arnone? And he put the county right on it, spent money. There was, there's a website. I know we as a chamber have the signs up in our office. We sent them to all of our members to use, and it's basically the same. We were going for the same signage in every place so that it would be more consistent when people would come into Monmouth County, they would know exactly what was expected of them. So, uh, yes, yeah, so I think we got a lot done. And again, I, one of the things I love about Senator Gopal is the ability to work across party lines. And um, I also find County Commissioner Arnone and the other county commissioners very, very welcome to that as well, to do what's best for the constituents. So it's really. Yeah, and I can say that's something that's um, not, unfortunately, it's not the case across the state, but very much is the case in Monmouth County. One of the things I really love about Monmouth County. Yeah. I agree. I agree. So on top of that, what else do you do, sir? <laughs> so, so I am the president of the Grunin Foundation. Uh, we support uh, grant making the arts, education and healthcare under the kind of the umbrella of economic excellence. Uh, we also do a capacity building series called Catapult Your Capacity. Um, it's not just for our grantees, but for all nonprofits in, in, in Monmouth County, Monmouth Ocean County. Uh, the belief there is uh, rising tide of all boats. Uh, and the stronger the nonprofit community is together, the better we are as a community. Uh, we work on ecosystem development, which is a fancy way of saying we work on programs that are really focused on system change. Um, so that's what, what I do kind of on the foundation side. And then um, in Grunt Holdings, you know, I'm an investor. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm part owner of a restaurant, um, a couple of florists. Uh, we're in the middle of putting a drug rehab facility in Palm River. Um, so, uh, you know, I have my hands in a few things. I, I have heard that that you're you, you know you're you're really one of those underperformers who likes yeah. just sit around and ride on the coattails of everyone else. Yeah, heard that. I, I listen. I, I do have to give massive credit. Obviously, Look, my my parents were incredibly hard workers and did a lot of great. They did a lot of great things to enable me to be able now to carry out their visions to a large extent. Um, and so, as my dad always says, uh, you know, he put a lot of years uh, making the money, and I have the easier job of giving most of it away. So it's, uh, it, it works out well. 
Yeah, you, you like that? You like spending someone else's money. That's always really, <laughs> well, I excel at that myself. My professional background before I came back home, I was a district manager for um, New York. I ran 60 clubs for New York Sports Club, uh, the gyms. I ran uh, districts for Circuit City, for Nobody Beats the Wiz, for Electronics Expo, for Porter's Books, for Toys R Us. And if you think about it, those are a lot of companies that are now out of business. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was always very good at putting folks out of business. <laughs> <laughs> One of your favorite claims to fame, is it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, I name these companies, uh, you know, if anybody under 30 years old is like, those, what are those? What, what, yeah, do you, right? what, what do you mean? <laughs> it's like you date yourself so much if you just say something that was commonplace in your life. You just really yeah. do. You totally date yourself. It's embarrassing. I just have to interject. So as far as the foundation and all the wonderful things that they do, uh -huh. you know, the grant making is almost the smallest part of it, in my opinion. Um, they're making impactful change. They, you know, the things that Jeremy and his teams do to support the community, the nonprofits, and an educational a support resources, getting people from all over that, especially through the Catapult series, to help, it's really impactful spending. And we really, really all appreciate you, Jeremy, and, and everyone involved. Thank you so much, and and, and thank you for um, throwing me that alley oop because uh, uh, Heather Barberi, who's our executive director, is absolutely amazing. She works. I have never, you know, you we, you can say that I work hard, and I I feel like a slacker compared to the amount of work that she puts in, and the the, the time that she puts on the phone with our nonprofit partners and folks in the community is unmatched. Uh, Kelly Fuller, who's our director of communications. Um, is another one who just is, I, I've never seen someone with that kind of work ethic. And Jackie Rodeman deals regularly with my dad, which I think in and of itself, she deserves a separate award. <laughs> so um, it's really, it's really, uh, it's really an amazing team. And I'm so blessed to have, you know, they always say surround yourself with folks who are more talented than yourself. And for me, fortunately, that's easy. Um, but in my case, I found a lot of talented folks that, um, that, that do a lot of great work for us and for the community. Great. I want to give a shout out to David Hicks, who just joined us. Good morning, David. Thanks for joining. Um, so I agree about the um, one of the things I have. So my background before taking over at the chamber was um, nonprofit 501c3s because the chamber is a nonprofit, but it's a 501c6. So the C3s are different because you raise money to give it away. And the C6 raises money. Actually, the biggest difference, I think, is C6s are allowed to um, lobby and C3s cannot lobby. And what's interesting is most small chambers do not lobby. We, you, we're involved with bigger chambers that do the lobbying for us, keep us abreast of stuff, NJBIA, uh, the New Jersey State Chamber, which then is very closely related to the U.S. Chamber. So we actually ended up in the same boat that a lot of the other businesses did where that chambers, and as a nonprofit, were not able to apply because of C6 um, for a lot of the loans and stuff. But we kept running because we knew how important it was to help everybody else because again we're that nonprofit help people mentality so um fundraising how was i mean fundraising is huge for any foundation for any grants for anybody who's providing assistance how did how were you guys affected with that and how what did you do did you make any changes or anything to your fundraising abilities during covid well, so we don't, we're a family foundation. So we, we um, ourselves do not fundraise. We're completely self-funded in what we do. Um, but uh, I do sit on a number of boards, um, I think 18 currently, um, that, uh, you know, these are many, many organizations had to shift gears. And, 
you know, I think that it was easy. We, we, gave, we, we started a program early on where we were giving out Zoom accounts to nonprofits and funding Zoom accounts. Um, and that was actually very helpful, I think, for a lot of folks. I think what, what went well was that um, nonprofits were able to quickly uh, understand that they had to switch to a virtual environment. Mm -hmm. The problem is figuring out how to raise money in a virtual environment. Yeah. Because it's not as easy, charge, it's certainly not easy charging for content virtually. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and certainly, as we've seen over the last six months, the, 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 the virtual the Zoom fatigue has been huge. Um, and so that's uh, that's been a real issue. I think what we've seen is that organizations that have that have really built the muscles around um, fundraising through uh, major gifts and you know belly to belly with or with with businesses like a provident bank or with um, individual funders or family foundations, they were able to survive and they were able to appeal directly to those organizations for support. And those that built their 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 war chest completely on events and gatherings uh, struggled. And many of them have frankly either mm -hmm. shut down or went completely dark during COVID. Right. Um, you know, so it's been, it's, been a, it's been a mixed bag, but I think it's really, again, I think it's really um, uh, shed light on the fact that folks need to focus on their pipelines and how they raise money and making sure that they're getting their story out there in an effective way uh, so that in times like this, you know, you, you don't, you're, you're not, you don't have to beg for money. Folks understand what you do and they're going to support you. That's, that's a very well put. Now you said something that totally off of the foundation type thing, but you just said something that impressed me to no end. And I'd like to oh. ask you a few questions about that. You sit on 18 boards. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've like tons of questions about that. Are they all nonprofits or are some of them professional boards? Like how are you, how do you, I don't say, you know, this is, this is the, uh, this is another one my dad would beat me up about it. I don't sit on any professional boards. And, and the difference is, for a lot of folks don't realize it. If you sit on the board of a bank, for example, you get paid, mm -hmm. right? That's a, you have a, you have a, it's, it's also a major fiduciary responsibility and there's a lot of heavy lifting involved. You sit on the board of a nonprofit, you're completely volunteer and that's just out of the goodness of your heart or because you, frankly, you want to network um, or, or, you know, you believe in the organization. So I, we, because of the way we uh, do our grant making, um, we're very hands-on. We don't just typically give dollars and say, good luck with that. Let us know how it goes. We'll wait for your annual report. Um, we like to partner with organizations to make sure that these projects are done um, and effective, right? And not, one of my pet peeves early on was, I can't stand a board meeting where folks uh, sit around talking about how they're gonna approach the funder, who's gonna talk to the funder, how they're gonna explain what went right or wrong, like that takes up half the board meeting sometimes. And wouldn't it just be better if the funder was in the room and was like hand in hand with you trying to figure out how to do things? The problem is that in, in the world of, of philanthropy, there's a, there's a tremendous power dynamic that is hard to overcome, where if you have the money, you have the power. Um, and we work very hard to not to be to be um, uh, a partners and not uh, you know lording over our partners that that we're funding it. Um, we don't have the answers. We just want to help get to them. Um, so that's those are the organizations that I sit on. Um, you know, Count Basie Theater is I'm the chair currently. Um, I'm the immediate past chair for Phil, the Food Bank of Monmouth in Ocean County. Um, I was the I'm still on the executive board of the, the Tom River Chamber of Commerce. 
um, you know, the Monmouth County Y, and then I set up some state, uh, some state, I'm sorry, Greater Monmouth County Y. I apologize. I don't want Lori Gogans or me. Yeah. I, I said, um, Lori would not like it if you got it wrong. Yeah, you know. No, no, I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, and uh, then I set up some state boards, like the Council of Interest Grantmakers. I'm on the executive board. The Center for Nonprofits, I'm on their executive board. Um, those are more, you know, really kind of looking at the sector in general. Uh, so it's, it's a, I sit on the board at NYU Law School. Um, because we have a program there where my, my parents met and where they you know they they, all, they first got together, uh, so it's a very it's a very group, um, but a lot of good stuff. What's your biggest piece of advice for existing board members to be? What do you advise them to do um, to help their the entity that they're sitting on the board for be successful? And then what do you say to people who are involved in an organization who may or may not be thinking about board positions? Um, when you say, uh, okay, so let me take the first one first. Um, I, I think that, I think that uh, folks don't really understand when they get onto a board that, that it's their job to help the organization raise money. Right, they they think um, that they're just being there and gracing folks with their presence is enough, and that's great. It's good to be there, um, but no money, no mission, right? And and a and a development person, a person who's raising money, is only as good as their board, right? If they they have to be able to have door openers and folks that can can get the can can introduce them to folks that can support the can support the uh, the mission, and it's a uh, you know fundraising in nonprofits. It's interesting because I had the conversation very recently about the difference in fundraising for nonprofits versus fundraising for politics. You know, when you're when you're raising money as a politician um, or a legislator, you are frankly people are giving you money for access, right? It's a, it's very much a bit of a quid pro quo, right? Like it's we we know that we hope you get into office and then you're going to remember that I gave you money. So if I ever need you. You know, you can help me, whether it's appearing somewhere, whether it's making a phone call for me or whatever, it's a very clear cut why you're giving money. When you give money to a nonprofit, it's simply because it, it resonates with you. And it, there's so many great causes that your nonprofit has to, you know, has to resonate more than any other nonprofit, right? And that's why you need board members to be able to have that elevator pitch and tell that story and 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 bring more folks into the, um, into the, into the fold. So that would be, that would be number one. The second thing I would say there is, um, there's a, there's a. Although you often hear nonprofits should be run like businesses, they should be. But in some cases, they're not businesses, right? In some cases, in 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 the case of 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 really making effective change, it's about partnering with other nonprofits, right? It's not about making the best burger in town. It's about how you can figure out how to effectuate real change and affect those that are that really need it. Right. right? Um, if you're uh, if you're a food pantry, you're not competing with the food pantry down the street. You're both together trying to figure out how to help get people off of that line and and get their kids fed. Right. So that's that's partnership. So it's it's not the same there. Um, where it is the same and where I get frustrated is you do need to invest in the organization. You need to you need to spend money to make money. Right. You can't if you don't spend any money on advertising or marketing then nobody's going to know your mission. If you don't pay for um, for folks to raise money in development, then nobody's going to hear about what you're doing and you're not going to raise more money. It's not about how much money you spend on administrative costs. It's about how much money you bring into the organization. 
Um, and in that way, it is like a business, right? Because uh, you can't go, you can't go for 20, 20 minutes without seeing a Ford commercial, right? right? Or a GM commercial, right? And guess what? They're spending money because they're going to sell a lot of cars. Now, the second question you asked, can you explain that one to me? Because I'm, I'm, uh, maybe it's because it's 9.30 in the morning and I'm not that, I'm, I'm not up on that <laughs> Well, one. we all know yeah, I couldn't say anything in the beginning, so I may not have worded it right. I'm thinking about, and, and more so maybe I'm thinking about, you're sitting on the um, Tom's River Chamber of Commerce. So obviously right. I went and I want to kind of ask you about your, why you're part of a Chamber of Commerce. But, um, so for example, in a situation like that, when there's people on committees, um, or, you know, working, working within, volunteering within the, um, organization how do you help them find or build that desire and how do you find the ones that are willing to eventually move up and be those leaders on the board um what would you advise those that, like if they're thinking about it you know you have so so we have like for example um our eng committee young people that's involved. They've chosen to run this committee. They've chosen to be involved. They want to be involved. How do you identify them, encourage them, and have them see future growth within that organization as a goal? So, so first, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it from the purely selfish um, angle. Please do. Which is which is you know it 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 looks good on a resume, right? Number. I mean, I, I hate to say it like that, but if you're if you're it, it looks good on a resume. Number two clients want to do business with you right if they see that you're civic minded and you're really fo you're really focused on making change uh, you know especially if you look at our, our our youngest generations right now you know my kids mike and i have three kids 16 18 and 20 um and they're not even kids anymore but 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 when, when they can talk about politics and they can talk about the world in a completely different way and more advanced way than I certainly could at their ages, mm -hmm. right? Like they're they're tuned in. Now, it's not always right because they get fed different things by social media. And <laughs> exactly, exactly. Slants, but, but at least they're in the game, right? Um, and they want to make a difference. And, and, and it's, it's, I think that's, that's why you join a board because you want to make a difference. Um, not because you want power or, or whatever it may be, but because, you know, it's about the amount of it's about the amount of impact you can have as a human, um, and being a board member is the start of your journey. I hate the word journey, but it's the start of your 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 journey. I'll say it anyway. Uh, the start of your journey to making more impact as a human, and that's you know ultimately look we we all want to make a lot of money and we all want to support our families, but but ultimately I think we also want to be judged as as people that gave back to to our world. Um, and that's why you join a board because you can do more. You know, it's hard. It's hard with young folks though because you know it's hard to balance family and and you know soccer weekends and this that and you know I certainly know to talk to Stacy about cheerleading, <laughs> yes. uh, but it's you know it's it's a it's a lot it's a lot to juggle, um, but it can be extremely rewarding. You know, Jeremy, you mentioned about making an impact and making a difference. You seem to, and your group always seem to be ahead of things that are going on, you know, the hot topic, things that are really um, going on just in the world. How does it work for you guys to identify before you're going to put together a new program? Like, how does that process work for you? So we kind of have a mantra um, and, you know, I think 
when, when Heather started, uh, I think she was a little overwhelmed by it. Um, but we never say no to a meeting, right? We, we, you know, even if it's completely out of left field, if it's, even if it's out of our counties, even if it, it seems to make zero sense, you never know when you're going to meet somebody that, that ultimately down the road is going to click with something else that you're doing. Right. So you keep build, building that, um, that contact list and keep, you know, that going. And what you find is the, you can't too many foundations, too many nonprofit folks, I think, uh, especially that sit in like the C-suite or what have you, they get lost in what's really happening on the ground level. And you get lost because you don't talk to those folks anymore. You don't talk, you're not really in there. You're reading grants all day. You're looking at paperwork all day and you're, you're sending emails and you have to put, pick your nose up and pay attention, right? Um, we, Heather and I probably talk like eight times a day, right? And we're just, you know, we're, we're, we try to go to as many conferences as we can. We try to, you know, we try to um, um, pay attention um, at, a, at a high level as we can, and we bounce things off of each other all day long. Um, and that's, you know, I think that's, that, that helps us um, to kind of see the way things are going. Um, and, and, you know, we don't put programs together. We, we, we look at folks that, one of the questions that we like to ask is, if you, if, what's, what's a program for your organization that is really like you think would be incredibly impactful, but it never seems to have the funding. It never seems to make it to the next step. It's kind of like your 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 pie in the sky program, like what you'd really love to do if you had the opportunity, but you just can't get to it, right? And and that's when executive directors and CEOs of nonprofits their eyes light up and they're like, oh, I really wanted to do this. I really want to do this, but I I just can't get my board to get it. They don't really see it. It's not. And, and frankly, they're the folks that are that are living it every day. Know what makes a difference, and that's how you put together great programs. Because that's you know that's 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 true partnership. Um, and 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 sitting on those boards, you're hearing the real issues day day by day by day. So you're in there. You're you're in. We we've been very slow. You know, we were very slow on the social justice front. Um, you know, it wasn't until uh, uh, the murder of George Floyd that we really opened our eyes and started to see that um, that we have an issue. Uh, certainly January 6th, we saw that we really have an issue um, when, you know, the Capitol was I, surreal. It was like under siege. Um, but we started to, to turn our attention kind of mid pandemic to, to social justice and racial equity. And 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 the way we did it was we we asked um, we asked folks from uh, Brookdale, Georgian Court, Monmouth University, and OCC. We asked uh, the presidents of each of those uh, institutions to give us some folks who really focused on this um, to help us with ideas about how we can make a difference. And we put together a group of of, of ten folks, and um, they led us down the road of a program that we're now implementing at Monmouth University in partnership with the three other institutions. Um, and it's, I was on a call for it yesterday. It's going to be, it's really, it's going to be like cutting edge and really kind of, um, really kind of different, um, but really impactful and really, and really, I think have a, you know, really open people's eyes to some different ways of looking at things. Um, we didn't come up with that program. We, we, we convened folks, but they gave us the ideas and that's, and again, that's, that's, I think how it's supposed to work. I have to, um, Monmouth University 
Georgian Court, uh, Brookdale, o OCC. And there's, and I apologize because I know there's one other school that's very involved as well, a little bit further in north. Um, but they've been amazing working together, coming up with programs of handling workforce development, handling getting people re-skilled, um, you know, because the workforce has changed so much during the pandemic. And, and I'm on, uh, on the Brookdale Council with the president. And um, it's it's amazing to listen to these representatives and talk about, and that what they really want to do um, is hear from us, hear from business owners, hear from the people in the community. What do you need? Because they really want to make it happen. They want to make it happen in their communities. They want to make it happen for their students. Um, they're amazing and they work together. And I, I think one of the things maybe during the pandemic that we've all realized is you get a lot more done if you work together than if you try to do everything and compete against each other um you know I, I i know that goes right back to the republican democrat thing it doesn't really exist if you're going for the same goal to save people and and work together to build something good so i remember years ago meeting jeremy and then i i was on the greater Tops river chamber and on some committees with him and kind of just seeing the way his mind goes or the way kind of you know his thoughts on things and the questions that he would ask people and then you know and time passes and here are these things he actually is living these things that he says you know um i i think you would agree with me right you don't always say everything the room wants to hear no <laughs> right no but, but he's authentic yeah. And actionable. I just feel like that's my job. I feel like I'm, uh, you know, I, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll come clean. I'm a huge Howard Stern fan. Um, and I, I've always respected, you know, I, not not for some of the stuff that he does, which is over the top for me, but but I've always loved his interviews and I've always thought that he kind of speaks his mind. Um, and I think, you know, I think I always used to tell people when, when I was when I was in the private sector, um, you know, I, I became like a, because of so many companies that I worked for, I became a student of the interview process, right? And and the question, the question that I like the best is, you know, when they say at the end, when you're being interviewed, do you have any questions for us? And folks go, well, you know, what does job advancement, what does career advancement look like? You know, what do you, how do you see the company in five years? Those are all great questions, but the best question you can ask is, what's the one thing that you see in my resume or you've you've seen from me today that's holding you back from hiring wow that's and a good that, question <laughs> that's an overcoming objections question because it automatically puts the employer obviously on the defensive to say well you know i don't like the fact that you don't have experience in such and such and it gives you that opportunity to say well and that's a great point i agree with you i would say the same thing if i were sitting here and here's why that's not an issue right and you can then overcome that objection so for me, when I sit in a room and we're talking um, about programs or anything like that, I feel like I'm that guy, right? I'm, let's, let's throw it all on the table. Let's put up the, what, the, what the roadblocks are. Let's risk assess what can go wrong because we don't want to have to like build the plane in the middle of flight. We want it to be, we want it to be built when we, when we, when we take off. Uh, so, and, I, and I'm lucky enough that I've built enough equity in the community now that I could do that and not... I worry about, I don't have a, I don't, I don't really have a lot of folks that I'm worried about answering to that, that I'm worried about the repercussions of it. Unfortunately, most folks can't do that because they have day jobs, right? And they don't want to, they don't want to piss anybody off. I, I'm kind of past that. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, tr- I got that way when I turned 50. You know, it is what it is. I'm very, and I, but I think there's a lot to be said for what Stacy said and what you're agreeing to is authenticity leads to, uh, and honesty leads to trustworthiness. And people will, you, they may not want to hear what you're saying, but it doesn't mean there's not three other people in the room thinking the same thing. Just nobody's willing to say it. And I think, you know, you can say the hard stuff as long as you say it tactfully and respectfully and you speak that way, your honesty, your integrity grows, and then your relationships grow and the trust in you grows and your business grows and your charity grows. And I'm a huge believer in that. Um, Jeremy is a professional at filtering out fluff. A fluff filterer. Yes. Okay. Jeremy Brown in the fluff filterer. I like that. He will just get right down to it. And then you're like, oh. Yeah, I, I, you're right. I got to look into that a little more. <laughs> I like that. I, I, well, you know, it's, um, and I have a lot of things I'm not good at. There's a lot of things that I, I mean, I am not a detail. I, I, you know, Heather actually, um, to use a uh, Jerry Maguire, Heather really completes me in a lot of ways, um, you know, relative to like the work that we do. Um, I'm more like the big idea, like, let's, let's, let's look into this. Um, but, but, what I what it always was good at was perspective, and I used to get this on my review all the time. I didn't understand it when I was younger. They're like, "You're really good at perspective," and I said, "What does that mean?" They said, "Well, it means that when a program rolls out or when something comes out, you're able to look at it from the level of the CEO all the way down to the level of the custodian, right, and understand how that program is going to affect them, and then be able to communicate it in a way that people understand and get behind." And that's a that's a that's a skill. That's a, an ability to relate to people. That's if if I said what my superpower is, I think it's people. I think I'm good at understanding people and talking to people. Um, again, a lot of things I'm really awful at, um, but 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 I think people get you a long way. I know Stacy and, and Jennifer, you would agree with that because you, you've made your careers on people, mm-hmm. right? It's it, it covers up a lot of blemishes when you're good at at, at, at dealing with folks. Yeah. I agree. And people, it's a, people's skills are hard skills to teach. Those are kind of very innate. Um, You know, when you're going back to the hiring and stuff, it's like, what are the key questions to find out what the person's really like? And are they able to, um, I had a work study student from Monmouth University who I had come in and young, I knew he could handle the computer, all that kind of stuff, but he shined at events, introducing himself, introducing people to other people, talking about the chamber. That's a skill that is just like invaluable. Um, And and it's true when you, you, yeah, I agree with you, Jeremy. People are my thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I know and people are students. Where, and, and to your point, it's understanding where people are most effective and mm-hmm. putting them in, in, putting them in um, situations where they can win. Um, we uh, There was a long time ago, um, uh, there was a book that we read that we were forced to read as general managers at CompUSA. That's how long ago that was. Um, this had to be 20 plus years ago for me. Um, and it was a book called Discover Your Strengths, right? And the point of it was, we spend so much time focusing on what our weaknesses are and trying to make them better, right? Trying to fix the things that we're not good at. And at the end of the day, we're only gonna get to mediocre at any one of those things because they're just not our strengths. If we instead focused on what our strengths were and what we're really good at and really kind of drove those things, we could be outstanding at certain things. And it's it's, it's, it's the same when you're building a team or when you're looking at a nonprofit or when you're looking at a for profit, it's putting people in the right places to succeed and not trying to make them into something they're not or fit square pegs into round holes. Yeah. 
That's it's I, and it's, I think it's an amazing skill to be able to assess those skills and match your people up properly with what they can do as well. Like that's a whole different skill set. Skill set. What's your favorite thing about what you do? Um, you know, first of all, I'm very blessed to be able to do exactly what I want to do. Um, and if I don't want to do something, I don't do it. Uh, so that, but that, and that's, you know, I think, I think that's a bless, that's a blessing that my parents gave me. Um, I worked, you know, a long time, you know, to, to, as my, as my dad would say, it was like, if you ever saw the movie 300, um, they send, uh, they send the young Spartan out into the wild to see if he could survive the, uh, to survive the wild. And if he makes it back, he is king. Um, my dad always says, we sent you out there in the wild to see if you could, you could survive. You did okay. Now you can come back. And I'm not saying I'm king. I'm just saying like, right, I, exactly. I passed my, my, my exam. Um, so I'm very blessed to be able to do that. Um, but I got to tell you, it's, um, it is being able to see, you know, being able to see folks, um, have a better life, being able to see when I was, when I was in the private sector, the, the thing that I got the most joy out of was promoting folks, right? Was getting folks to the next level. Um, and when people used to ask me what my weakness is, I always said, I, sometimes I want more for people than they want for themselves. Right. And it gets me frustrated because I'm like, you could do more. Why are you not doing more? Right. Um, but I, I, and they would thank me that they got promoted and thank you to make more money. And I just, and I said, no, no, it's completely selfish, right? Like I, I enjoy, like this makes me feel good. This feeds my, my soul that I know that I'm, you know, and, and when my, uh, and when I am, I'm broke and penniless, you'll give me your couch to sleep on for a week until I find something to do. Okay. That's our deal, <laughs> right? Make sure I can have your couch for a week. Um, and you know, they would say, but, but it's the same now. It's being able to, uh, to see folks, uh, you know, make a better life for themselves and their families. And that's what, that's what our whole mission is as a foundation. It's not just about, um, it's not just about those that are unemployed. It's about those, I, my heart bleeds more in the richest country in the world for folks that are working 60 hours a week and on two, on two, two jobs, you know, two jobs two salaries, um, you know, a husband and a wife, and they're still struggling and they still need to come and get, you know, get food once a week. That's ridiculous that they shouldn't have access to healthcare, right? Mm -hmm. that, 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 you know, for catastrophic healthcare. I mean, we're the richest, it, the, 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 the gap is so huge in our, the wage gap and the wealth gap. It's, it, it's, it's it, anything we can do to help that um, is, it, it makes me, it makes me happy. That's great. I think you're going to really enjoy meeting the people from Asbury Park Music Foundation, if you're not already familiar with them, who are our arts and culture winner for Spinnaker, based on uh, your... I might, I, so I, I, I think I'm on that, I'm on, the, I'm on the advisory board for the festival, and John Liedersdorf um, is, a, is um, a, good, a friend of mine. Um, so yeah, we we're, they're, they're a great organization. So they really that, are. One of the things that would made us very honored to be um, recognized by you guys was the the, the docket of folks that were uh, being recognized with us. Because mm -hmm. um, it's you know it, it it it's really just a it's an all star group. So that makes us very very much more honored. Thank you, and we're really excited because Asbury Park uh, now the Arts and Education Center that we honored last year for arts and culture 
are attending with quite a few people again this year. Um, so we're very excited that our winners like to come back. They like to support. Um, I actually got a call from Charlie Parton the other day, which I don't, you know, he is a name I know and I've met a few times, but he's retired now, but still very active. And he and Trudy, just because he won an award years and years ago, he and Trudy still just wanted to do an ad to congratulate everybody. And I just thought that was so nice that people stay connected um, and, and they value they value the Spinnaker Awards. And, you know, I don't know if you've heard this news, but we're actually sold out. That's awesome. We we had to do, put a cap. Um, we're, we're operating yeah. a little bit underneath what is legally allowed because of our comfort level. Um, but we put a cap on attendance. We've had to expand that a little bit to make allowances for um, some of our awardees to bring their guests. But I've been doing this. This is my fourth Spinnaker now, and I've never had this many pre-registrations this far out in front of the event. And to me, that's amazing. It shows that people want to be out again. It shows that people are supportive. I think you personally might be one of the draws that people are coming out for. I will say that um, with your name on the list, I think that's a big help. Um, but and the I, fact that we bought six hundred tickets. No. Well, you, you did. You did. You are one of our admiral sponsors. We're very honored for that. Um, but we. You know, I think it's exciting because people are coming and we're I I we are sitting Jill and I are sitting in the office going, what do we do now? More and more people want tickets. You know, it's it's a great place to be, but um exciting. So it's gonna be a fun event for sure. Yeah, and it's it's great. You know, to your point earlier, um the 501 C6 is really um were were put in a very precarious situation by not being able to get funding, you know, not being able to get the PPP funding and, and things like that during um, during the pandemic, but the folks that stuck it out that, I mean, it, it made, it was so counterintuitive because chambers, this was when chambers should have been at their peak, this is when they were most necessary, right? To rally together, to rally together businesses, to hear what the what, what was happening, how they could help, how other businesses could help other businesses. I mean, this was, this was the time not to like not fund them, um, but the ones that stuck, and that's, and you know, you asked me earlier, I think you, you alluded to why I got involved with the Chamber of Commerce. I think chambers are are so vitally important um, to hearing what's really happening on the ground for small business owners. You know, the, the there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of huge companies in our country that, you know, that drive stock prices and, and you know, and, and drive for 401ks, et cetera. But, the majority of folks are in the world of small business, right? And 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 they don't get enough of a voice uh, typically. Uh, the the pandemic really accentuated that when you know when small businesses were forced to close and the targets of the world were allowed to to thrive, right? And it, that made no sense. I mean, it just it just made no sense. Um, but I, I commend you and your team for 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 sticking to it. And you know, and that's as did the Greater Township Chamber. Um, you know, I think the ones that, that, that stuck it out there, I think are, are going to definitely reap the rewards of seeing, um, uh, seeing folks, you know, coming back in droves now that the world is reopening. Thank, thank you for that compliment. We were pretty happy. We had quite a few new members join us during the pandemic. Um, you know, I know that it helped me be more informed and then be able to inform my members much more at how many council meetings and, and stuff. I mean, sitting on NJBAI business Co coalition committee twice a week and 
all the different things. And Tom Arnone was wonderful about running things for chambers and informing them of programs and, you know, being able to have that information and be a source for not only our members, but the community, anybody who needed a question answered. Interestingly, we started putting the NJEDA phase four grant information in our news releases um, that we put out, like not from EMAC, but we can put them on our website. And some of the papers have started carrying them, you know, and putting them out from us. And um, we've had people call me and say, can you help me with the NJEDA phase four grant? And I'm like, no, how did you hear about us? But it's, you know, because we're putting the information out there. So then we can refer them to the right place. That's and, and that's, um, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of chambers that weren't able to do as well, but the um, state chamber did a coalition of an alliance of all the chambers in the state. And those of us that have been participating regularly on that, it's been extremely beneficial to all of us because we've realized, you know what, you can be a chamber in the next town. We're not competing. All we want to do is help our businesses. Right. And um, I don't think people all often realize what a chamber does. So thank you for saying what you said about chambers as well. So, um, so any last things you'd like to tell us before we sign off? Did, no, I, I, did I hit all your points? Because I'm not sure I did. I don't even know what my points are. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, Heather, forgive us because we may not have covered everything. But um, it's okay. It's quite. Right we, <laughs> I think uh, it was. We we we. You know, it's um. We're very honored we uh, to be honored by you. Um, look, we 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 weigh very heavily what we accept and what we don't accept um, because it's you know it's also our brand. Branding is very important to us. When we put our name on something, we 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 hope that we've built over the last eight years uh, a brand that folks go, oh well, if they're supporting it, then it must be a good thing. Um, and so we take that very seriously. And so, uh, you know, but we were very, very excited to be, um, to be asked uh, by, by you guys. Uh, I would also make a, a quick plug um, that it will be the event, of the, I'm not, with all due respect to the Spinnakers, the event of the season will be in September uh, when um, Fulfill is honoring me um, as the immediate past chair. And we're doing a roast. Um, so I'm being roasted by uh, by a number of my friends and uh, and colleagues. Uh, Stacy's definitely going to sign up for that. I think. I, <laughs> I just so text. So, I need so, a second. So Kenny Malgier is going to be the host, uh, and Jonathan will be one of the roasters. So they'll both both be roasting me. Um, but it's the the feature will be um, a co-roasting by my ex-wife and my fiance. Yeah. Oh my! So, uh, you are a glutton, man. Let me tell you. <laughs> My kids, my kids, I think, are buying tickets for themselves and all of their friends because they want to see they want to see me get my butt kicked for uh, for an hour. Or so. Speaking of your kids, are they picking up on yours? You know, the generational down teaching downward of the um, charity and the benefits and the being able yeah. to give back. And how are they? The yeah, so it's interesting. My son, uh, my son is, is going to be um, is finishing his sophomore year at Rutgers. My oldest daughter will be starting Rutgers in the fall. Um, they are both there. They will both be board members. So they'll start to be getting, you know, it's a very, it's a very fine line between uh, wanting to like uh, indoctrinate your kids mm -hmm. and being just pushy about it. So we've, I've definitely given them their space to decide what, what their lane is and what they want to do. Um, my youngest daughter, um, she's uh, 16. She's a junior currently in Tom's River South. And she's the one who's like, she's all about it right like she's the one that we have um uh, we have political conversations 
she corrects me when I say something that's not PC. Right. Um, yeah, she's like, <laughs> she's very, uh, she keeps me, she keeps me in line more than anyone else uh, I know. But they're, listen, I'm, I'm very blessed that their mother is an, an amazing, was an, is an amazing mother and they're great kids. And uh, they're also my best friends. So it's, uh, it's, they're, they'll be just fine. That's great. That's great. I know our kids, uh, we have a 25 year old and an 18 year old and they both say the same thing. They're like, we are who we are because mom and dad couldn't write the checks. Mom and dad did every, did the charity things because they wanted to help raise the money when they couldn't write the checks themselves. So that's the, the way they that's grew great. up and they have it as well. You know, they're just, they're both involved. They're both doing stuff. Well, I think we're blessed. Um, and, and I know we want to wrap up, but you know, I came home eight years ago. Before I came home, we were, I was running Health Culture New York Sports Club. My ex-wife was a labor and delivery nurse. Um, we were, I mean, we were doing fine, but we were, we certainly weren't where I am now, right? And so my kids still have, and still have that mentality, right? Like they're not, they're not shopping they're not shopping at um, Louis Vuitton for for what they need. They're shopping. They, they're like on Kohl's. Yeah. Like they're like you know they're like because Kohl's is like, awesome. <laughs> yeah. They like you know they 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 like they like Target. They like you know shopping at Amazon and they like shopping at local small businesses. So it's they're just different. They're not like they're not those kids that are like spoiled like that. So I and I think their mother did a great job of really keeping them grounded even when I. I got too, uh, too uppity. So. That's great. Um, one last question is, um, how do people apply for your grants? How do they find you? How do you. Oh, they find them. I know they <laughs> so find you them. Know. So, what so do listen, you... yeah, my, my number is up in just about every men's and women's room in Mobile. <laughs> uh, where you can go right to our website. Um, we don't really, we're a proactive grant maker. What that means is where we typically come to you and say, we'd like to support this, or we'd like to work with you on this. Um, and that's, and the only way you kind of get to do that is by if you really are in the communities and see, mm -hmm. you know, that I don't think there's a really a nonprofit, um, a staff nonprofit in Monmouth and Ocean County that we haven't had any exposure to. Um, so we're, you know, we're able to, um, we, we come to folks, but, but if, if somebody wants to have a conversation, you know, I told you, we never say no to a conversation. So whether it's myself or Heather, we're always open for that. You can go right to runinfoundation.org um, and you can find all of our information. Email me, email Heather, email whoever you want. Well, we, we're not going to ignore you. Um, that's just not what we do. And, you know, everyone kind of starts to know the standard of a Grunin Foundation. So, you know, we're all in these different circles and nonprofit. And somebody say, we think we're going to talk to Heather about such and such. And everyone just knows, well, is it this wheelhouse? Is it this? Have you done this? Do you have this prepared? Everyone just kind of knows that the level and not necessarily in the beginning, because people will talk to Heather or Jeremy, get advice, get resources. But when they're going to make that ask, everyone just has this level of like what they know that they want to show. Okay. Yeah, we're, we like to say it's an open book test. We're not interested in folks filling out a 25 page grant form so that they can get rejected. Nonprofits don't have capacity for that. And that's not we, we work together. If we're if we want to work together, then we're going to figure out the answer together and and, and go from there. Um, you know, and, and I'm very I, I just one more plug. Um, the you know, I'm the co-chair of the New Jersey Arts and Culture Recovery Fund, um, which um, has raised uh, over four million dollars. Uh, to this point, specifically for the for arts, history, culture uh, throughout the state, and 
Um, we're, we're, it's been a really great effort with a, a lot of great partners, uh, including folks at the, at the, uh, at, at, uh, at the Dodge Foundation, um, Provident Bank. Um, I'm sorry, uh, sorry, sorry. I'm looking at Provident Bank. Uh, Prudential mm -hmm. um, and uh, and other folks. It's been uh, it's it's been a really great thing to see. Again, to your point earlier, it's been great to see people coming together at a time of need. There's a lot of silver linings from what's mm -hmm. been a pretty rough year and a half. Definitely. Well, we are very much looking forward to seeing you in about two weeks. Um, and enjoy your weekend in Florida. Oh, was Thank I not you. supposed to disclose where you are? I don't know. It's okay. Florida. Okay. <laughs> and then while you're there, rearrange your dad's office because the t uh, the desk definitely needs to face the window with the computer with the sun behind yeah, it. Yeah, right? no, there's something going on here. We're going to talk about it as soon as this calls. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. Thank you. I'll be able to see your whole face at Spinnaker instead of the half with the sun on it. <laughs> Jeremy, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. And we will be back in two weeks um, for our next podcast. And join us at Long Branch Distillery on Tuesday night at 5 o'clock, 4.30, I think, actually, for some drinks and snacks. Great. Thank you, guys. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.